is up, guys? Welcome back to the Seek Life Today podcast. This is your host, Carson Harris, and I'm so glad that you're listening to this week's episode. Today, we're going to be talking about a prophecy that was fulfilled. We're talking about how Jesus was meant to be a descendant of David, and we're going to learn why it's important. We're going to be talking about some different correlations between David and Jesus, and we're also going to be just talking about Jesus' genealogy. So I just hope that you'll stick around and learn something new. But before we get started, let's just go ahead and bow our heads and pray our way into this episode. So, dear Heavenly Father, today we come to you with just so much thanks and praise for waking us up and giving us life today, but also for having this opportunity to come onto the internet and talk about you freely. Um, I just pray that you will move through me today, Lord, that you will speak through me, that uh, you would just preach your word and that the listeners will have open ears and open hearts, that you will open them and that you would just teach them today, Lord, and that they will see why this covenant, why this prophecy, uh, why it being fulfilled was so important and what that means uh, about you what that represents about who you are, Lord. I just pray that you would teach us today, and I just pray all of these things in your Son's holy name. Amen. So, it's been a hot minute since I've actually recorded an episode. Uh, It's been hard to kind of like find motivation, but I'm coming today with this episode uh, at a good time. I mean, Christmas is in like 10 days um, of today. So, We're going to be kind of talking about Jesus's birth and how his birth fulfilled a prophecy and it's around Christmas time. So, I mean, Merry Christmas. Uh, This episode kind of relates to Christmas. Um, Anyways, uh, I've kind of been a little bit awkward um, talking since it's been a minute since I recorded. It's just so weird seeing a microphone and nobody like actually listening. But um, anyways, what I was getting at is um, it's been hard to kind of find motivation to just record or to even write an episode. Um, but today I'm coming to you with this episode. And I think that this lesson that we're going to learn is really important. And I, I just pray that the, the Lord will move throughout this episode. Um, but ever since my, my nanny's passing, um, it just, it's been hard to like find motivation to just get on here. And so I, I took a break. I took the week of her funeral off and then ended up taking like a month and a half. So I apologize for that, but I think that it has been a good thing to take a break and just like get away from it and just like focus uh, on like myself um, for a little while. But I'm coming back and I'm back today. So let's just go ahead and read the first set of scripture. And this first set of scripture that we're going to be talking about is like a, a very heavy set of scripture. Uh, it's going to kind of just pave the way for the entire episode. And we find this set of scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So we're going to re- be reading verses uh, 12 through 16. So verse 12 uh, says, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise you up your offspring to succeed you and your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13, he is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 14, I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod welded by men with flogs inflicted by human hands. Verse 15, but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Verse 16. Your house and your kingdom will endure forevermore. Your throne will be established forever. 
So this is a promise to David from God. So God promised David a permanent dynasty. So there is an obvious covenant relationship between God and David. But what is so special about David? This the set of scripture really makes me question and wonder, what is so special about David that from his lineage and from his descendants, a kingdom will be established forever? Um, it's, it's just an interesting to why God picked David. So let's kind of dissect it and uh, do some background work to kind of understand what's so special about David. So if you haven't heard the story of David and the Goliath, I'm going to give you a little basic rundown right now, but I'm pretty sure we've all heard it. So uh, David, a little guy, defeated the enemies. He defeated Goliath, a giant who spent days taunting the Israelites. David's brothers lacked faith, but when they were weak, David was strong. David was faithful to the Lord, and he, he knew that the situation and battle was for God to sort out. And I want to emphasize that David is just a boy, but he's a boy after God's own heart. He is so faithful and trusting in God. He knows that the Lord will bring deliverance from this situation. And this is amazing because while David is known to just be this little boy, he is a man when it comes to faith. He's a man of God, and he does not doubt. He is often overlooked by his peers because of his size, but not by God. God does not see his physical appearance. God sees his faithfulness. David always did what God asked of him, and his obedience is noticed by the Lord. God sees his character. That is what God sees, and that's why David is so important. That's why he's so special. So God is going to use David's seed, his descendant, to establish his own kingdom forever. So while this is kind of like a continuation of David's throne, this is really the kingdom of the Lord's being set in place, if that makes sense. So verse 13 says, He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So there is a little bit to unpack from this verse. House of the Lord's name. So this is referring to a temple, a church, whatever you want to call it. It's a place of worship and it has a deeper meaning. So promises are made to David, but they also relate to David's son, Solomon. Um, Solomon is David's immediate successor and son. So in Kings, First uh, Kings 8, verse 23, Solomon says his own words, I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. So David, Solomon's father, was to build this church, but because David was always out and about in these battles and then fighting in war, um, Solomon ended up having to build this church, but it wasn't like a burden on Solomon. This is something Solomon wanted to do. Um, but originally David was to build the church, but it just so happened that his son would be the one to actually complete it because David was always busy in the battlefield. So Solomon, David's direct descendant or direct son, built the temple. However, this verse is ultimately a symbol of Christ's incarnation and embodiment. All the power and authority in heaven and earth were given to Jesus. He was to build a temple and a house for God's name, a place for true believers and the Holy Spirit. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So this verse emphasizes the fact that Jesus was 100% human and he did in fact live among other humans. So this tabernacle or temple that Solomon built, it was a structure which was temporary, by the way. Um, it was destroyed like 400 years after it was built, I believe. But anyways, this temple is, is symbolic of an Old Testament covenant where God dwelt with his people in a physical sense. While Jesus came and dwelt with us in human form and after his death, he was resurrected and he left the Holy Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit dwells among us just as God did in this temple. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? So this church is meant to be a place for God to dwell in and a place where His presence is felt. It's a place for corporate body uh, built by God to gather to be in His presence. The temple Solomon was to build was extremely significant because it was the first of its kind, but it was also a place for to come into the Lord's presence and a place for them to offer up sacrifices for their sins. This this is the old covenant, but the new covenant of Jesus is declared in verse 13. We no longer have to go to a physical building to be in the Lord's presence, and we no longer have to offer sacrifices for our sins. Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, offered himself up for our sins, and he lives among us today. This is something to be thankful for. I mentioned all of this because it was prophesied through the prophecy of Jesus being a descendant of David. This verse also mentions that his throne will last forever. This is clearly talking about Jesus rather than David or Solomon because ultimately, if you haven't read ahead, their kingdoms do come to an end on this earth. So, wow, that was a lot to unpack. But let's go back and read verse 13 and 14. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 14. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod welded by men with flogs inflicted by human hands. So, this is the prophecy of Solomon in the lineage of David. But the words, my son, makes a direct reference to Jesus, the son of God. However, this verse talks about inequity and reproof and correction and sin. Does this mean because Jesus uh, did no sin, committed no sin? So going back to the previous verse for a little second, Solomon was to build a church. Well, David was, but Solomon's the one who built it. Um, but it, it has a great meaning about Jesus, a reference about Jesus. It it was about Jesus establishing the church and set, sitting on the throne forever, and he will be the son of God. The phrase son of God also, however, applies to Solomon as he has this like special covenant and relationship with God, just like his father did. However, the everlasting throne also relates to Solomon as his prophecy will be fulfilled through Jesus, one of his descendants. However, the committing sin only applies to Solomon and his descendants, which, by the way, his descendants are known for going astray from the Lord. So this isn't saying that the coming Messiah will commit sin, but rather is a reference to Solomon's descendants. When doing research about this topic, I came across this quote saying, The Davidic covenant is a condition in the sense that the kingdom has been punished, destroyed, and seized to function. While it is unconditional in the sense that Yahweh will not part from it, even though the kingdom must now go, a t 
go through a time of chastisement due to its unfaithfulness. This practically summarizes exactly what I'm trying to say here. So verse 15, let's go back and read that. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. So, King Saul was extremely prideful, and this is the major distinguishment or distinction between him and David. So Saul's pridefulness led him to be disobedient, and his ulti- it led to his ultimate downfall. It led to his like ultimate life. I don't know how to word it. It just led to his ultimate downfall, and ultimately just led to his like corrupt life. Like his life just fell apart. He was extremely jealous of David, and as of a matter of fact, he wanted him dead. He was so oblivious to like his own flaws and his own pridefulness that he became spiritually blind, and this led him to sin against God, and sin against God, and sin against God. So Saul um, and his descendants, they were set aside, but David's descendants, they too would sometimes act similarly to Saul. As in, like, the fact that they too committed sin. But, like, their sin, their sin didn't go unpunished, but it would not separate them from God. And ultimately, David's descendants would, would bring forth the one who will defeat sin and death, that being Jesus. Verse 16. Let's, let's head back up and read that. Your house and your kingdom will endure forevermore before me. Your throne will be established forever. So ultimately, God's promise to David was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, whose kingdom would be established forever. And this is a continuation of David's and Solomon's kingdom. Isaiah 11 1 says, there shall, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. When I think of the word rod, I think of the authority that shepherds use to correct their flock. They use like this rod or... Um, this rod to like lead the sheep and to make sure they're going in the right direction. This reminds me of how Jesus, um, who came forth from Jesse's line, to be the shepherd of the world. John ten eleven, Jesus says in his own words, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He also says in John ten fourteen through 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. In 2 Samuel Five verse two. David was depicted as a shepherd as well. It says, "In past times, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led us out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be my shepherd of my people of Israel, and you shall be a prince over Israel.' So before this, only before this time, only about one of the twelve tribes of Israel actually recognized David as their king. However, when things go wrong and start us when things go wrong people start to like recognize him as their king and i think that this is an interesting uh, concept and it kind of foreshadows the um the how jesus was kind of rejected um because in the sense of like if you think about it when he first came to the earth he was rejected that's why he he was put on a cross they didn't like him but also it's interesting because we don't always recognize Jesus as our king. Sometimes as Christians, 
um, or as human beings, we go against him and we sin. And like the only time that we go to God is when other options failed or when things go wrong. And so this is how they were to David. Um, they only went to him and started recognizing him as their king when things started to go bad and downhill. And we did the exact same thing with Jesus. We don't recognize him as our king until things are just not going the way that we want them to. So, God saw David's character, and he decided that he would be a good leader, and he was made king. I kind of mention all of this because the common consistency between David and Daniel is evidence of God's ultimate plan of forgiveness. It is evidence that this was the plan from the beginning, a plan for redemption, a plan for freedom, a, a plan for defeating evil. I mean, the fact that David was rejected by many, but he was he was anointed by God, like that fact in itself is just like such a, a huge realization um, because of his character, his life, his character that was shepherd like um, that he he had and he used to lead and fight the enemies. This like directly points us to one of his descendants that directly points us to Jesus, who was the ultimate shepherd and the ultimate king, who had this perfect character that was shepherd-like, that was created to lead. Um, Jesus is like the ultimate redemption and the ultimate deliverance. And this deliverance, David knew it was coming because he was so confident in his faith and he was so faithful that he was able to go up and fight this huge giant. The giant was defeated because God was on his side. David knew that this deliverance was coming. And in a sense, in a sense, he also knew and he was faithful that th this redemption plan would be coming. So it's just, it's kind of mind boggling, boggling to me because it's like all correlates to one another. And it, and it is really neat to see how it, it goes back and forth and all these like resemblance between the two. Um, but anyways, I'm kind of rambling. Matthew 1, 1 says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. If we wanted to, we could go and read Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Abraham, perhaps even all the way back to Adam. But I don't want to right now. Um, the relationship between Abraham and God and the relationship between David and God are good examples of living in obedience and faithfulness. Um, that's not our focus, though. Jesus, a descendant of Abraham, shows that Jesus was an Israelite, and him being a descendant of David shows his royal origin. In his birth, the old covenant with Abraham and David are both fulfilled. Luke 1, 30-33, this angel appears to Mary and tells her something. Um, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. If we go back to the first set of scripture we, we discussed, which was in Second Samuel, we'll realize that Jesus fulfills the promises made in those scriptures. Let's go back and read them. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I'll establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I'll be his father, and he'll be my son. 
When he does wrong, I'll punish him with a rod welded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So Jesus, there's references to Jesus throughout this, and this is kind of like a prophecy of him. But it's also like references to just Solomon. That's David's descendant. But it, there's clearly some references to Jesus uh, talking about someone who is going to come and uh, have this throne that is established forever. That is obviously the throne of Jesus. Um, this person who will build a house for my namesake, God's namesake, um, that is kind of like a reference to David or Solomon. Solomon's the one who actually built the house, but it's a little bit more in depth than just that because Jesus, because in like the old covenant in this relationship, they had to go to this temple to make sacrifices, to remain faithful and to like wash away their sins and to like keep up this relationship with God. But today Jesus was sent to replace that. And we no longer have to do that. And we like, nece- we don't necessarily have to go to a, ha- a, a, a house of worship, a church, a synagogue or a temple, whatever you want to call it to experience God's presence. Because through Jesus, we have him with us wherever we are and we can talk to him wherever we are. And also it's interesting concept is because where two or three more people, the spirit is clearly there where these believers gather, the spirit is there. And so it doesn't have to be like a physical building, like this temple that Solomon built, but it could literally be a coffee shop where a group of Christians are having a Bible study. It could literally be anywhere. It doesn't have to be in like a physical building um, that is like religious or anything. So, Jesus fulfills the promises made in this, these scriptures. Jesus fulfilling these prophecy, prophecies proves that the Lord is sovereign and that when we, that, and that when he, not we, when he makes a promise, he will fulfill it and do more. Um, when we make promises to people, we often like fail. Like I know sometimes we make promises to one another and then we never follow through with that promise. And we kind of hypocrites. We don't do what we say. But when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And he's going to go so far above that. He's going to do much more than just that. And it's really interesting to see like this, this redemption plan of Jesus come together from the beginning. Like through just David's life and the way that he lived life, it, we can see these correlations that are similar in like these resemblance of Jesus in David's character. And, but we can also see clear references in the scripture to Jesus, um, the coming king, the coming Messiah, who would bring forth this freedom from sin and this deliverance. It's just really interesting to me to just see all of these correlations. And it's interesting how that this prophecy was fulfilled. And this promise between God and David was so important because God promised this to David because David was such a good person. He had this character. He was so faithful. And God made a promise to him because of his faithfulness. And God followed through with this promise, with this covenant. And the good news is that this covenant was not only of a benefit to David, well, David's dead. I mean, it's not really a benefit. It just means that his behavior brought forth, like, because of his behavior, his lineage, his descendant 
brought forth Jesus, who would be the ultimate savior for all of us. And the good news of that for us is the fact that we now have this opportunity to experience salvation, this opportunity to experience the grace of God, which is that like the salvation is a a gift of God. It is owed to God's grace and God's mercy in his love for us, because it is nothing that we do to earn it. It's nothing that we can do to earn it. It's of, it's a gift of him. Salvation is that. And that gift was sent to us through Jesus, who was a descendant of David. Um, God made this promise with David and it was so important because he followed through with the promise and God makes promises to us. He makes promises to us like how, um, there is no evil that can overtake in us. How there is no evil that can overtake in us. Like, there's nothing more powerful than God. And there's nothing, like, no matter what we're facing in life, that is nothing compared to God. And God ultimately has control over that situation. It's just interesting because when God makes a promise, He keeps it. And when He makes a promise to us, He's going to keep it too. And so that's basically the whole point of this episode. God made a a covenant. Um, God had a relationship with Jesus. God had a relationship with Jesus. Obviously, that was Jesus' son. God had a relationship with David. He had this covenant. We have this relationship with God because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can have this relationship with God. And God made promises to David. And these promises that God made to David allow us to experience these promises God makes to us. I mean, he promises that his grace is sufficient for us. He promises that temptation will not overtake in us. He has promised us a victory over death through Jesus. He promises that if we believe and confess our sins, uh, we can experience forgiveness of those sins and be saved. He promises us he promises us eternal life. He makes so many promises to us through this one promise he made to David. Without that him keeping that promise to David, we would not have the opportunity to experience all of these other promises that he makes to us through Jesus. This was just I don't know. <laughs> If I've gotten my point across, I'm probably getting a little boring at this point and I probably seem like I'm just dragging it on. But I just think it's so interesting and so neat to see how this prophecy was fulfilled and how this prophecy is important to us because it was fulfilled. This covenant was fulfilled. A new covenant has been created. That's interesting to me, but I'm not going to drag it on anymore. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today and thank you for this opportunity. I just pray that you spoke through me and that these listeners heard what you had to say. I just pray that you will um, watch over us in the coming days, coming weeks. Um, It's the holidays, it's Christmas, and New Year's is coming up. So just keep your uh, hand of protection around us as we all have different travels. And I just pray that during this uh, season that we will um, just look to you um, during Christmas, because that is what Christmas is all about. It's about you. It's not about gifts. It's not to give out presents. Well, it is about the ultimate gift, the one that you gave, the one that you sent through D- David's lineage, the one who you, you sent so that we could experience a relationship with you, like the relationship between you and David. We thank you so much for that. But during this time, I just pray that 
myself included, but that these listeners will just see the real reason to celebrate. The celebration of you sending your son to be on the earth in a human form and to take our punishment upon himself so that we didn't have to experience it. I just pray that we will see that through this Christmas time and that we will be thankful for this like gift that you have given us. And I just pray that we will like truly accept what you have to offer. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So thank you all so much for listening. It really means a lot to me that you have listened thus far. And I would really appreciate it if you would leave a a like, a rate, or comment. Depends on whatever platform you're listening on. But anyways, it really helps the growth of the podcast, and I would appreciate it. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to email me or message me on Instagram. Um, My email and Instagram are linked in the show notes down below. But anyways, have a Merry Christmas, and as always, be blessed and seek life today.